Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Hello, 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 hello. Glad you joined us for the Big Red Bench on this glorious Easter Sunday evening. Hope you've all been enjoying the sun this bank holiday weekend. My name's Rory. I'm absolutely delighted that you've joined us for the Big Red Bench right here on Cork's Red FM. We have a packed hour of sport coming your way. Coming up tonight we're going to hear from CJ Stander following uh, his last game for Munster. We're going to talk to Moss Finn about that defeat to Toulouse. Where Munster go from here and the impact that Stander and the also retiring Billy Holland have had on the province. Reaction from Cole Ramblers defeat last night going down 4-0 to UCD. And we're going to talk golf on the show this evening as well. Cork's James Murphy, John Murphy excuse me, selected on the Great Britain and Ireland team for the Walker Cup being held in Florida in May. We'll talk to him a little bit later on. You're listening to to the Big Red Bench on Quark's Red FM. Oh, it's 6-8-104-106 if you'd like to get in touch with us on the show this evening. Going to wrap up all the day's action and we'll start at Villa Park where Fulham have gone a goal up on Aston Villa, Tom Gale. Aston Villa nil, Fulham won. As it stands, the visitors are climbing out of the bottom three and it's Alexandra Mitrovic with his first goal in 24 Premier League appearances. It came courtesy of a Tyrone Mings dip- mistake. The defender with a poor back pass, the Serbian latched onto it, rounded the goalkeeper and slotted into an empty net it's Aston Villa nil Fulham 1 as things stand Fulham are out of the Premier League's relegation zone on goal difference that's after Newcastle United fought back to get a 2-all draw this afternoon against Tottenham Stephen Goldsmith Newcastle 2 Spurs 2 since talk started surfacing of Mourinho being under threat Spurs quietly went about their business winning 4-5 meaning a win today would have seen them move into a Champions League spot but it's often one step forward and two back for Spurs despite Harry Kane having them in front with a brace turning round Joe Linton's opener they couldn't hold on Joe Willock on loan from Arsenal had the final say with a late equaliser Newcastle 2 Spurs 2 So a good point on paper for Newcastle however their boss Steve Bruce reckons they deserve more We're pleased but in my opinion it should have been three points I thought we were the better side it's as good as I've seen us play for a long long time we've done as well as we, we, could, have, we could have hoped we're just disappointed that we haven't won it so that's Tottenham up to fifth. They could have gone into the top four with a win today. Boss Jose Mourinho not happy. We should and we come, of course, with the objective to win it. So not happy with the points. I don't want to go very deep on, on my analyse because I feel that what I feel, what I think, what I want to say can only be in the dressing room. In the early kickoff today, Southampton came from behind to beat Burnley. Alan Lewis was at St Mary's today. It's finished, Southampton 3, Burnley 2, a pulsating game of football. See Southampton come from two goals down to take all three points. Wood and Vidra had Burnley in control with goals in the first half, but Southampton got themselves level before the break, thanks to goals from Armstrong and Danny Ings. The second half was just as lively. Ward-Prowse hit the bar, Armstrong was denied by a good save from Pope before Nathan Redmond volleyed Southampton in front for the first time in the game. Wood went close to equal 
equalising for Burnley, only to be denied by a point-blank save from Fraser Forster. This win should mean any relegation worries disappear for Southampton. It's finished. Southampton 3, Burnley 2. Yes, so Southampton now seven points clear of the relegation zone following that result today. Their boss, Ralph Hasenhuttle, very happy with what his players did for him today. Yeah, I'm very, very happy to see things today, what we were working on the last two weeks, especially our decision-making the final third was fantastic. I think we could score today five, six or not even more goals and this against a team that normally don't give you a lot of chances I mean that shows you that we have done something right in the last weeks One more game tonight Manchester United in action against Brighton 7.30 the kickoff time for that one Peter Smith is at Old Trafford for us today A Europa League win still represents a realistic chance of silverware for Manchester United but domestically consolidating second position is as good as it's going to get realistically United have won their last five successive meetings against Brighton who've hit form with back-to-back wins their previous 3-0 success over Newcastle arguably proving their most comprehensive display of the campaign. At Old Trafford is Manchester United against Brighton. Yeah, half past seven the kickoff time for that one this evening. Elsewhere today in rugby and also continuing there a bit for a first ever Challenge Cup title tonight there at the Stoop as they take on Harlequins in the last 16. That one kicking off at 8pm. The winner will progress to a quarter final against Northampton Saints. In the last 16 of the Champions Cup, Racing 92 hammering Edinburgh today. 56-3 was how that finished the face board draw in the next round. They beat Bristol 36 points to 17 in France today. Elsewhere, Sale Sharks are in action against Scarlets at the moment. Sale leading 13 points to nil there. Half an hour on the clock, the winner of that game. Facebook on Nogara's La Rochelle. Golf, Leona Maguire preparing for her final round at the uh, Will ANA Inspiration. The Cavan native will see off from Chunder Power at about quarter to seven Irish time. 12 shots uh, off the pace that's being held by Thailand's Paddy Tavantakit. Stephanie Meadow, meanwhile, resume from one under in about half an hour's time. Three time major champion Jordan Speeth holding the share of the lead at the Valero Texas Open. He's 12 under par alongside England's Matt Wallace. Graham McDowell, two under par through seven in his final round. Potty Harrington two over after his two holes today and trainer Willie Mullins enjoying a 1-2-3 in the Gold Cup novice steeplechase at Ferry House where the Easter Festival got underway today his Jana Dill was got to victory by Jodie McGarvery after going off at a starting price at 12-1 head of stable mates at Franco Deport and Asterian Furlong Right, we are going to kick off the show tonight with rugby and Munster's defeat yesterday in the Champions Cup, losing to Toulouse. Moss Finn are going to be on the line very shortly to talk about the game first, though. The reaction to CJ Stander, his last game, he was captain yesterday before he heads back to South Africa, announcing his retirement a couple of weeks back. Uh, this is him speaking to the Munster website. I'm proud of the boys, I'm proud of the effort we put in. Look, it was a tough week, um, very, very tough week to come back from a loss like that and... Get in a performance like that, you can see the squad really dug deep, and um, we have a special coaching staff and uh, backroom staff that pushed the team during the week and just kept a positive vibe. And you can see today we came out firing. We were lucky with a few calls. We scored some brilliant tries, and what a way to step back, you know. And uh, if, uh, if we would have got the win, um, I don't think anything would have changed for me really, because I'm still proud of the team and I'm proud of the effort. I think we gave it our best chance. Um, we really stuck it to them, but. We were just unlucky with a few calls and uh, yeah, going to miss this place, man. It's, uh, yeah. it's before I arrived here, yeah, I remember watching a European game here yeah, and uh, I think we were playing Edinburgh, but just had flags in the tunnel and the TV was, camera was that angle and uh, I was just sitting at home and thinking, I would love to run out here. <laughs> Sorry. 
Um, I would love to run out here one day and yeah, today was special. Um, to be captain of a side like this would have been great to get some silverware. But um, it's not to be for me or Billy. But uh, they are going to get some silverware and I can't wait to uh, sit in the stand and the full 26,000 and uh, watch that happen. You can hear just how much it means for him uh, to be part of the Munster experience after yesterday's game. Uh, very emotional. See, just standing there speaking to the Munster website after yesterday's defeat to Toulouse. Now, for more on it, I spoke to our rugby analyst and Munster legend himself, Moss Finn, earlier on today. Okay, uh, for more on Munster's defeat yesterday, joined on the line now by our good friend uh, Moss Finn. Moss, a cracker of a game yesterday in Tomlin Park, but Toulouse just that little bit better. Uh, I, I agree, Rory. Uh, absolutely, a great game, a fantastic match. We played exceptionally well, and you know, given the previous week against Leinster, where we didn't fire a bullet, it was a refreshing change and wonderful entertainment. The old monster was back again, and we could have won it perhaps with a little bit of luck. But you know, overall, perhaps the the, the, the better team won, and the better the team with probably the little bit little. little more quality. What was the main difference in Munster's approach yesterday than the game against Leinster last week? Extraordinary. I think they were obviously backed into a corner after that, and they were, you know, they were definitely firing on all cylinders yesterday. Their approach was kind of do or die. I'd say it was going to be, you know, the last match of the season. We played very badly. We never came out of the dressing room last week. Let's do something. And you know, I suppose being at home in Thomond Park and all that might 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 have, might have changed things a little bit, but. I'd say they were very disappointed the previous week where, you know, they didn't mind being beaten perhaps, but they certainly didn't mind being beaten the way they were beaten. Or they certainly minded being beaten the way they were beaten. It was They played very poorly the previous week. So they came out firing on all centers with a slightly different approach and they were a little bit more positive. So all in all, they were well revved up for it. Um, yeah, because like, the criticism obviously stung last week because it came in quite heavy and quite thick from everyone and they were fired up and they, they were a, a completely different team and I suppose, as you say, backed into a corner, had to do something else and they gave a, a great performance. Indeed, and it was difficult because the, the way they started, uh, Toulouse uh, really came out of the blocks quickly and dominated the possession the first 15 or 20 minutes and Munster had their backs to the wall and you were I was moving around in the chair thinking, like, this is it, we're going to get hockeyed again. But no... They got going and they scored two brilliant tries through Keith Earls and played fantastic rugby against a real quality team. Mm. And barring a few mistakes, we could have carried it on in the second half. But like it, it was great that they had been on the ropes for 20 minutes and then turned it with two great Earls tries, two bits of magic, and turned the whole game on its head. And, you know, went in at halftime, winning by seven points. And I honestly felt we had a chance of doing it after that. But that was not to be. It was probably a step too far. And the try from Antoine Dupont yesterday, Moss, looked like there was a, a knock-on and Wayne Barnes had a big chat with his team about it, um, but it decided to award the try. Were you surprised that he awarded that? Uh, a bit, like it probably came off his head the second one, you know, it was, it was, but I think the damage was done with the LaBelle try before that when Hanrahan was missed, you know, that um, that really put the icing on the cake. It was a terrible mistake by Hanrahan for Dupont's try, you know, he was wrong-footed on the other side, so... The both those tries were killers. Like the the knock on could have gone our way, but uh, you know it was it was it was well adjudicated, and perhaps the seven points were worth it because I, I felt it came off his head, you know. Mm. But the mistake for the other try was the, the one that really killed us. Hanrahan was terribly naive to do what he did at, at, at that level. You never come up square on someone, you, you, but you can be beaten both sides, and 
he was very naive in defence there and like it, it kind of sums up his career to a degree and I don't like being too critical <laughs> of a fella but he you know he, he does a lot of good things he made a, one or two sort of line breaks there and next thing he misses a pass he, or a, a very easy tackle he can be a little bit flaky unfortunately and I think that's what really cost us Bit of bad luck as well, I suppose, Mossman. Like you're missing Peter Mahoney yesterday, and then like Chris Farrell goes off injured in the fourth minute. That's kind of luck you can't really account for, I guess, in games like that. Yeah, and the the big one at half time was we we went in having done very well to come back into the match and go in leading at half time, and Bourne got injured yeah. just before half time, and he was an incalculable loss. Like he's he's one of we have about four or five world class players, and he's one of them. And him going off was a big loss going into the second half. And, th- and that's where you need luck. Peter Manny's leadership, obviously, ability there as well. And, you know, the fact that we didn't have the, the 16th man there with the crowd as well, it, yeah. it, it, all, it, it all went against us. But having said that, and I was, you know, it was, it was a joy to see such a team. We were playing against a very, very much a quality team to lose in that. Like, they had five or six forwards there, Marchant, the the captain number two, the two Arnolds, um, Kino, the ex-All Black. Mm-hmm. Like you're talking real quality, and then they had the subtlety of the backs. I mean, they, they the the French can combine grunt and subtlety in the same in the same breath, and that's a very difficult combination to beat, you know. And I think at the end of the day, without getting too analytical, that we have never really replaced Ronan O'Gara. Yeah. Um, at this point in time, Joey Carberry is a bit undercooked, so I, I wouldn't be too critical of him. He probably needs around 10 or 12 games to get up to speed. But having said that, you could see the difference yesterday between... Like, Murray was excellent, don't get me wrong, but uh, Carberry is undercooked, and Intimac orchestrated everything for them. And I feel if we had an O'Gara there at some stages, he'd put us into the right positions in the field. Um uh, would have been a little bit more clever in his distribution. Like just small little things that Entomac had and did. He did some mm. very subtle kicks ahead. Um, you know, it was that little bit of quality we were lacking. And I think un- until such time as Carberry comes up to speed and we get a player of that quality playing 10, that we won't be able to match the best in Europe again. Where does this leave Munster now, Moss? And where do you where where they where where where's Munster standing? I suppose in in the, the bigger picture, following yesterday's defeat and the defeat last week. Well, it, it's you'll be a lot you'll be a lot happier looking into the future as what happened yesterday. Mm-hmm. The the previous week was 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 very it would leave you very low. But the the there I say to be over. I, I would suggest that Munster lack real class. At, at the very top level, and that's what hurts them. We can get to semi-finals, we can do okay in the Pro 14, but we're lacking that little bit of top quality to go in against the likes of Leicester or Toulouse at the very top end of the game. So hopefully we can develop um, a few homegrown fellas like that rather than going off and buying Detroit, you know, for whatever they were saying, the money is 650000 or something, and, and and move forward. So I think we're in a good place and we're unearthing a good few locals like that lad Coons now is fantastic. We have a, a Heron coming and you have the Witcherleys. Um but at the end of the day we have to if we can unearth if Carberry comes good at ten, I think we, 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 we can look forward with confidence because we have plenty of players. Um I would suggest in the long term I wouldn't be happy with Van Grand because he coaches like a South African He's he's quite pedantic. Everything is 
too predictable in what he does, you know. So I would be hoping that we might get a slightly more revolutionary type coach that might be able to make us look like too loose in the long run with the, that blend of grunt and class. I mean, it was wonderful watching Toulouse yeah. there in full flow yesterday, offloading and in tackles, uh, free-flowing running, stepping with the outside backs there. I mean, that's something that I would like to see. I don't think we'll see that from a South African coach. I think we'd have to go further afield and get someone with a little bit more sort of uh, openness to to the running game, you know. Well, at the very least, you'd, you'd hope you'd have them playing like they did yesterday on a more regular basis next season, I guess. You would, and I, I think we can, and, and we have the we have the quality in certain areas, but we just we just need the general to set it off, and Carberry might well evolve into that. Um, like Earls is is still very good and, and good in attack, and you man Dealande in the centre they showed passages where he could be very good, but he wasn't in evidence in the second half because we didn't quite get the forward ball, and Carberry was tiring. So, like there are great there are great portents for the future, but. I would just like to perhaps to see a little slightly different administration. You know? Is Van Gran under pressure, do you think? I would say he is, but he's contracted, so I don't know. It all depends on money. and like He's still a very good coach, don't get me wrong, but I, I don't think we can go to the next level with him. That, that That's my point, because he, he, he's, he's too predictable. Um, I, 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 I'd be hoping, perhaps, that we get, maybe, you know, even... Like if the these if Stephen Larkham, the offensive coach there, maybe he gets more of a say. Yeah. It might help because he was a very good number ten himself, you know. But having said that, like the thing about out halves, you can tell them all what to do, but you can never tell them when to do it. You need the guy to admit, you know. You, you, you need the guy. You need a guy like O'Gara to get in there. You know, it was it was great to see him advancing as well. They were Larry Shell the night before. Mm, he's certainly doing his uh, coaching CV uh, no favour no, nothing bad at all I mean he's he's been fantastic with La Rochelle I think a lot of Munster fans would be very very happy indeed to see him uh, take over the hot seat of Munster it would, they would and he's, he's probably that would be his aspiration in the long term I'd imagine and even to be the goal of Ireland in the long term mm-hmm. but he's got a long way to go before that I'd say he sees himself as as that is his final push, I'd imagine, when he's finishing up. So I'd say that it'll be a while yet, you know. But he certainly has the pedigree by travelling to, you know, New Zealand there and getting experience with Crusaders. That was a huge learning curve for him. He's been number two. He's been number three in different places, attack coach, defensive coach. He's been the assistant coach. But this is his first job at, at the front level as the number one. And, like, he's done exceptionally well. So it would be great to see him as the as the guru of Munster and Ireland in the long term. But... I'd say that's that's not for him yet. A couple of Munster players saying goodbye as well yesterday, Moss. Um, we'll talk about CJ Standard shortly, but what can you say about Billy Holland, his contribution to Munster over the last, what, 15, 16 years? Well, he's what you would describe as the essence of Munster. And uh, in that he's homegrown, you know, CBC, Constitution, um, one cap for Ireland there against Canada, which he richly deserved. But he's been... He's been the essence of Munster, I would describe it, for 10, 12, you know, nearly 15 years. And he, he, it, it is an emotional send-off for him. It was a pity we didn't win for him. And you saw, like, he was still at a very high standard. When he came in yeah. instead of Ty Bourne there yesterday, our line-out wasn't diminished. His leadership skills and the line were shown again. And it's, I'd be always in favour of fellas like him and Munster, like you have the witcheries and the combs coming. But it was he set the tone for that. And it is great to see Indigenous talent last so long 
within our club. You know, I, I am. You obviously have to buy in sometimes. Do not to go up to speed to this top level, but Billy was one of our own, and did us proud in every way, on and off the field. A smashing fella, and you know his, his father was the same before him, and, and a great servant of Irish rugby. And it was great to see it continued on by Billy. And I wish him well in his retirement because he was one of the greats and one of the great fellas off the field as well as on it. And great to see him go on his own terms as well because as he said when he announced his retirement he's seen players play on past their sell-by date and they just kind of fade away into obscurity and he didn't want to do that and that deserves tremendous credit I think. Absolutely and he, I, I agree and he, he's cute enough that way and he, well, he's fit enough to, to go out at the top whether he'll play a bit for car constitution or not I don't know but like that level of rugby yesterday is a very high level of rugby and you need to be fit, very fit and strong. So I, I'm glad he went in his own terms and you wouldn't like to see him languishing there and getting dropped and things like that going forward because he doesn't deserve that because of what he's given to Munster. And the, and, and he's, he's appreciated to that when you see a fellow leaving at his best. It's a lot better. Mm-hmm. And JJ Hanrahan playing his last game for Munster as well. Yes, did I always get the sense with JJ it's kind of like um, unfulfilled potential a little bit? It is, and like I said there, he was stepped by a man which caused you know, Dupont's try, which was probably losing the match, but it, 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 it contributed certainly. But he, he's an amazing player, he's a fantastic talent, um, and I wish him well in Claremont, you know. Mm. But, and it, it's a shame to see Indigenous talent going, I accept that, but you know, Foley probably never gave him his break when he was at his peak, and like that, that was when he was at his best, but I'm not too sure he's quite the finished deal, you see. That's the, that's the thing. He's a great player, does a lot of great things, but he can do a knack. And if you have a, a player at 10 who can who can make a mistake that can be fatal, it's like a goalkeeper in soccer. It's not the position to be if, if you're prone to that. Like, it's, he's all the ability, but, you know, would you stand him in front of the goalposts to win a match with a kick from 50 yards or 30 yards? You know, you, you, you whereas O'Gara would you know would get it. You mm. you'd be wondering what O'Hanlon would Hanrahan get it. <laughs> that's the <laughs> that's the difference. A great talent, but is, is he a, is he good enough to stay with us? I don't think so. And I wish him well in, in Claremont. And finally, what's there to be said that hasn't been said about CJ Stander already? Captain yesterday, another great performance, an emotional day for him, and he will be sorely missed. Again, a, a man going out in his prime. You know, like a guy who who left South Africa because they wanted him to play number two. They said he was too small for a back row. He came over here, Munster took him on, he became, he got great friends here, great respect, he showed great professionalism, he, he brought a lot of people, learned a lot from him. A wonderful player, like for a man who was, you know, he's only about six foot one, but he punches way above his weight and he's, he's carried a lot of ball for Munster over the years and, and he's carried a lot of ball for Ireland over the years against bigger opposition, like he, but he, he never goes back, he plays on the gain line, he's given wonderful service and he's very much appreciated for that. And again, he's leaving in his pump. And I think maybe that's a good thing. His legacy will be there and he'll be fondly remembered here for the rest of his life. That's for certain. He certainly will be. Boss Flynn, as always, a pleasure. Thank you very much for joining us on the Big Red Bench today. No problem at Excellent. Always a pleasure talking to Moss Finn on the Big Red Bench. It's been great to be in his company over the last couple of weeks talking uh, Champions Cup and and the Six Nations as well. So always great to hear from the legendary Moss Finn. And uh, disappointing, I suppose, for Cesar Stander um, to lose yesterday and not uh, get some silverware in his final season, as he said in that clip that we heard from just before we heard from Moss. But look, 
a fantastic career in a red shirt himself and Billy Holland have given some tremendous service to the Reds and I hope they certainly enjoyed their retirement and I hope their families enjoy having them back uh, full time because um, as we heard from Billy Holland a couple of weeks back it won't be taking up so much time and um, it'd be fantastic for for family life for for them not to to have to to I suppose have rugby be their 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 main um, source of time drain I suppose so fantastic for them fantastic for their families wish them very very the very very best of luck in their retirements all right um, when we went into that bit with Moss Finn Fulham were a goal up away to Aston Villa however. Aston Villa 3, Fulham 1 and it's the England striker Ollie Watkins who looks to have put this one beyond doubt for Dean Smith's men. It was good work from Bertrand Dryore on the right hand side dancing into the box. His cross laid it on a plate for the man who hasn't scored in 11 Premier League appearances. It's his 11th goal of the season to make it Aston Villa 3, Fulham 1. Time nearly up there in that game. Um, disappointment night disappointing night I should say for Cove Ramblers uh, they've now lost their opening two games in the SSC or Tristy League first Division going down 4 0 CCD at St. Coleman's Park last night, coupled with the defeat to Cork City on opening night. This was Stuart Ashton's reaction when speaking to the assembled media afterwards. No, obviously, we didn't want that result. Um, again, disappointing. Um, obviously, we, we didn't show up tonight. It was as simple as that. Um, the display was poor and we got punished for it. Um, up until the goal, we probably. We're in the game, obviously. Um, I think probably edging it. I thought we had uh, spells where we were the better side. But then the goal then, as um, we've conceded, and then we've fell apart, basically. We've lost a bit of organisation. And um, unfortunately, one or two players lost their discipline as well. They seemed to get a grip after that first goal. And you never could quite get it back in midfield. No, again... You know, as you say, um, the first goal, obviously, we haven't reacted to that. Um, not just in midfield, as you're saying, but all over. Again, it was a game of, um, for me anyway, I thought it was a game of where they picked up all the second balls and we were second best to that. And that dictated it from there. And they, in front of them, they showed a bit of, obviously, going 1-0 up. They had the bit of space and... You know, a bit of freedom to play, but we didn't track that back and we didn't chase them down and we got punished for it again then. Yeah, and that's that's what we have to sit down now and, and look at. Um, obviously, we'll look over the analysis and that and the players obviously have to have their opinion as well on it and we'll, we'll sit down and hopefully work that out. Just tonight, I just thought we didn't, as you said, we didn't do what we are capable of doing and we got punished for it. We have to... We have to pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off, and we have to get back to knowing, playing the, the way we know we can play, um, which is which is way better than what we showed tonight. You know, everyone's saying it that this this league is is a hard league to win games and to get out of, and as you say, um, results shown already um, that it's it's going to be hard. We know that, and we have to be up for that. Tonight we weren't up for it for some reason. We were we were second best to everything, and we got punished for that. That's Stuart Ash and there, Cole Ramner speaking after their defeat last night uh, to UCD four 0 was how it went down last night. And um, 
Cove Ramblers now bottom of the table after the opening two games not where they would have imagined to have been but uh, a disappointing night for them last night and uh, they'll have a, a week now to dust themselves off and, and come back and, and regroup but two defeats on the bounce now for uh, Ramblers and fingers crossed they get back to winning ways sooner rather than later right still to come on the show we are going to talk golf next we're going to talk to the Corpman who's been selected on the Walker Cup team The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Cork's Red FM Rory here with you until 7 o'clock glad you could join us for the Big Red Bench this evening hope you're all full of Easter eggs and enjoying the show on this Sunday evening glorious Sunday evening as well weather-wise fantastic weekend uh, here in Cork when the sun is shining in Cork there is no better place in the world to be and again, there's no better place in the world than Cork, regardless, anyway, is there? All right, we're going to talk golf. Actually, full-time from that Premier League game. Whistle just gone. Aston Villa 3, Fulham 1. Good win for uh, Aston Villa there. Coming from behind to win by three goals to one, thanks to two goals from Trezeguet and a late goal from Ollie Watkins. Manchester United and Brighton still to come. That is kicking off in an hour's time. But it was confirmed earlier this week that Cork's John Murphy was selected on the Great Britain and Ireland team for the Walker Cup, which is being held in Seminole in Florida in May. I spoke to the Kinsale man, man about being selected, studying in the States, life in the States during a pandemic. Thoughts of turning pro and more. Okay, we're joined on the line now by John Murphy following uh, the announcement that he's made the Walker Cup team. Uh, first off, John, uh, thanks very much for taking the call. Um, cr- amazing news, congratulations. What was your reaction when you found out? Thank you, yeah. Um, I was actually, I was in the middle of a tournament, so it was a bit weird. Uh, <laughs> we just played the second round of a tournament and, you know, I, I kind of knew that, uh, that the team was close to being selected. So I found out after the second round of the tournament, so it kind of uh, took away from... <laughs> From my uh, from my focus on the tournament, it was it was a great phone call to get. Uh, I probably wish I got it after the tournament, so I could have uh, I could have focused on that instead. But no, it was it was certainly uh, an email I'll, I'll never forget reading. Um, the, he was actually trying to get on to me during the day, uh, the captain of the team, to tell me that I'd made the team, and he couldn't get on to me because I was playing this tournament. So um, I feel a bit I feel a bit bad that I didn't even answer the phone call to to say that I was selected. But uh, yeah, no, it was it was certainly. Uh, a day I'll never forget and yeah it's, um, I'm really looking forward to getting down there I'm pretty sure playing golf is a good enough reason not to answer the phone call to be honest what is the um, I suppose the selection procedure what's the process for getting on the Walker Cup team so basically it's just the 10 best amateur golfers in Great Britain and Ireland and um, yeah it's it's just whoever's playing the best golf and whoever they think will uh, will represent GB you know, the best to, to take on the USA um, it's you know throughout the years of there's been some some very uh, some great names play the Walker Cup you know the likes of Roy McIlroy Shane Lowry all them have gone through the ranks and played the Walker Cup so um, yeah it's certainly it's a great thing to uh, to be associated with and to be able to play and to represent Great Britain and Ireland and um, yeah we have two Irish on it myself and Mark Power from Kilkenny so myself and Mark will be great friends so I'm looking forward to, to getting down there with him and hopefully teeing it up with him in the in the um, foursome sparing I was going to say how good is it to have someone like that in the team that you know very very well and will probably make things a bit easier for you a bit easier for you I'd imagine yeah yeah it'll be great I mean the first time I ever played for Ireland I played foursomes with Mark Power so um you know, it's it's just cool to think that that we've come this far since then, and that we've achieved you know so much since then. So uh, yeah, we, we've been talking about it since. You know, we still have like screenshots and pictures of us playing underage. So um, we were sending them to each other. It was gas, but yeah, it's it's going to be a lot of fun to tee it up with him. And um, yeah, I think we've both agreed already that it's it's going to be fairly nerve wracking. So it's good that we'll be there for each other. And do you know many of the other lads? Have you played against them? 
yeah, I've, I'd say I've played with all of them at some point. Um, everybody, everybody on the team's very sound, and uh, I, I think there'll be a lot of team chemistry there. We all get on pretty well. Um, a lot of them, I think, six of them are in college over here, so I'd know, I'd know them through through college and just through playing again underage against them and with them and stuff. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun to to get together on the thirtieth of April and start off the week. You would have been close enough to being on the team two years ago, I guess. Were you disappointed not to get on it then? Yeah, I was. To be honest, I was probably on the team at the start of the year in in 2019, and I just didn't go my way that year. I didn't have a great year, and I probably focused too much on making the team that year because, um, you know, as I said at the start of the year, I would have been in a great position to make it, and just uh, kind of played my way off it to be honest and it was obviously very disappointing so I think this time around I just focused more on, on staying in the present and being mindful of that and not, not focusing too much on the Walker Cup and you know mm-hmm. in the end of the day something I worked on with my coach in Stafford is just good golf takes care of everything so if I could stay in the present and take care of, of good golf and just play well then you know everything else will take care of itself so I think I did a much better job of that this time around and yeah I'm, uh, I'm delighted to to um, getting the team this time around So talk to us about the year that you've had that's gotten you onto the Walker Cup team and how well you've played um, Yeah it's it's been strange because I went back last March straight after a college event and obviously COVID hit so I was at home practicing in the garden and stuff and just trying to make the most of what I had um, in Ireland at the time and then I came back to America in about July and started playing competitive golf again and thankfully I've been playing pretty consistently Um I've you know had had some nice finishes. There was one event, the Jones Cup Invitational, which was you know that, that was a really big event for um, getting selected for the Walker Cup because everybody, all the American squad and all the GBNI squad were playing this event. So that was that was I knew that was an important event going into it, and uh, I tried not to pile pressure on myself, but it was still always going to be in the back of my mind that you know this could have a lot to, to do with the Walker Cup. So um, I was delighted to, to play well there. I think. I was 50th after the first round and I think I pushed my way up to 6th in the end so um, that was certainly a, a big result for me in the scheme of things and then I came 2nd last week at a tournament down in Myrtle Beach which was another uh, another big result for me So we're about 5-6 weeks away now from the event itself do you have much um, tournaments to play beforehand? Yeah, we have two two big events here with the college. Um, we have one event down in Texas next week and another one in Georgia uh, in, a, in a few weeks so um, I just kind of have to Turn my turn my attention to them, and as I was talking about, just trying to be present for the for the next one, and not be thinking too much about the Walker Cup for now. So yeah, I just have to do what I can to get prepared for my next event, and just you know, I, I'm just trying to take it day by day for now. That's something I've worked on is just doing all I can today to to get that a little bit better. So that's all I'm doing for now. And obviously, you're in college as well. While all this is going on, at the University of Louisville, what's it like combining study and high level golf that takes up quite a lot of your time? Well, yeah, I'll be honest. Last year, I, I got my degree in marketing and uh, I just kind of decided this year I, I wanted to focus on golf. So I asked my academic advisor just to throw me the easiest classes he can and <laughs> thankfully he did that. So I'd be, I'd be lying if I said there was there was a lot of study going on um, on the side. So I'm, I'm enjoying that aspect of just not, not having to stress too much about school for, for a change. So does that kind of coincide with your your good form this year and that you don't have to worry too much about your college classes? Uh, yeah, certainly. It's like, you know, you're going to tournaments. I remember last year going to tournaments and I was having to write 60-page papers and whatnot and I was going to tournaments come, coming off the golf course and thinking, oh, I have to do this now or I have to, I have to you know, submit this assignment later. So that's um, the, what I'm doing now is just before I go to tournaments, I'm just getting all my, my work done for that week because it, it only takes a couple hours. So 
uh, I'm just getting all that done before I go to tournaments so that when I'm at the tournament I'm fully present and I can focus on that and it certainly uh, eases the stress levels Irish people I suppose when they, they think of college in America they think of what college life is like in the movies how close has it been to that for you is it in any way similar yeah, yeah, certainly. It's um, it's it's not too different in all honesty. Yeah, there's you know all the the frat parties and whatnot that go on, and uh, this year has obviously been a little different. You know, I haven't. I've just kind of been trying to do my own thing, um, just because of the fear of of COVID and uh, you know having to make people quarantine and stuff if you're not careful. So. I've just kind of been trying to do my own thing and just focus on golf, and I think that's been uh, certainly to the benefit of my golf this year. So, I might try and uh, continue continue doing that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, what's it been like? I suppose living in the states throughout COVID. I mean, like, we all know this, like, how badly America has been hit uh, with COVID nineteen over the last year. I mean, like, what was it like for you? Uh, in all honesty, selfishly, it's it's been pretty good. I mean, I've been able to travel and play golf, and that's all I could really ask for. And I actually. I actually got COVID last August, the day before, or a couple of days before. I was meant to fly to the US Amateur, which is one of the biggest events in the world. So uh, I unfortunately had to pull out of that. But um, since then, even since I got COVID, it hasn't, uh, you know, I haven't been as worried about it or I haven't been as, as kind of cautious. I mean, I'm obviously still taking the precautions that I have to to make sure I don't get it again. But um, I've it certainly eased, eased me a little bit to to you know be able to travel freely and be able to play tournaments I haven't been as, as worried about it so um, yeah living live in America here at the moment it's, that COVID doesn't exist which is in one sense it's, it's kind of nice because I'm able to as I said play golf which is all I could ask for Did COVID hit you quite badly? Are you suffering any long term effects from it? Uh, no I lost my taste and smell for a while but it's gradually been coming back um, and I had a cough and other than that no it was, it was fine there was three of us the three of us in my house got it and we all kind of had the same symptoms and um, thankfully we're all we're all 20, 21, 22 so it uh, didn't affect us too badly and I don't think we we gave it to anybody else either so um, it could have been a lot worse um, This year's World Cup being held in, in Seminole in Florida is that a, a course you know well? Uh, I played it for the first time a few weeks ago I went down after a tournament I had and uh, just went down and practiced it for a few days because as part of the, the GB Nice squad um, I you had free access to it so I went down and played it a few times and it's just an amazing place it's it's kind of hard to describe but it's it's just very unique and um, it's certainly a, a very prestigious place to be able to play so I'm looking forward to, to the matches being held there it's going to be a very interesting venue for for the matches and it's going to be right on the coast as well so it'll be nice and windy so there's no excuse for the uh, the GB and I boys not to be able to match up yeah you're well used to that being from Kinsale I guess but yeah, uh, how, how does the you know, that's how, I, came, I came over here to get out of that and now I'm back into it <laughs> how does the course I suppose match your strengths I mean, like how does it uh, how does it suit your eye um, yeah it's, uh, I like it I mean it's pretty open it suits people who can hit it pretty far so um, I'm looking forward to, to just being able to try hit it as hard as I can around there that's, that's always fun but uh, yeah no it's, it's a really nice course it's it's open it's going to be tough going into the greens um, you know you have to be very particular about where you're placing the ball going into the greens so I think uh, I think that's something that we're going to have to get a good week of work on uh, in before we, we play the actual event um, because obviously coming from GB and I we wouldn't be as used to that style of golf so that's something that we're certainly going to have to work on and look into which as I said I mean we're going to be obvious underdogs going into the game but I'm, I'm looking forward to trying to trying to uh, get a few scalps along the way The US team um, came over two years ago and won is there kind of a sense of you're looking for revenge going into this match now in a couple of weeks time? Yeah absolutely the US team hadn't won on 
GB and I saw it, I think since 2007 so they won for the first time there in 12 years and we haven't uh, I don't think we have won, I think it's been 20 years I think 2001 I want to say is the last time GB and I have won in, on US soil so as I said we're going to be underdogs but that's uh, that's all I think that's going to make it more enjoyable I love that kind of element of it so I'm looking forward to trying to trying to turn a few heads and put um, a few people up yeah have the US named their team actually yet they have named their team. Yeah, they've uh, they're strong. Uh, there's no sugar sugarcoating it. They're uh, they're going to be really good. And again, I'm looking forward to that element. Obviously, you know, I know all the US team that are playing. I know I've, I've played with with most of them before. Um, they're going to be a really good side, and they're going to be tough to beat. But that's again going to add to my enjoyment of it. So I'm looking forward to taking them on. Obviously, I suppose pre-COVID, I mean, like your family and friends might have gone over to watch you play in the Walker Cup. That's probably not going to be the case this time around. Is that going to be an issue? Is that going to affect the GB&I team heading into this match? Um, yeah, obviously having support is, is always nice. And uh, even having your parents there or whatnot to share the occasion with, you know, my mum and dad have gone to everything they could have um, in the past. And, you know, I'm sure they wouldn't have wanted to miss this for the world. And I'm disappointed that they're that they going to miss it. Um, but hopefully it'll, it'll be on TV and they can they can enjoy it that way but uh, yeah it's certainly going to be a bit different and um, not having my family there to, to share this occasion with but hopefully we'll uh, be able to get on the right side of a few Americans they tend to like us Irish people anyway so hopefully we'll get the right <laughs> side and cure us on yeah and hopefully everyone from the golf club back home will be able to watch and hopefully they'll be able to play at, at home as well uh, by that know, time yeah. as well they should be able to I hope and um, I suppose turning professional then has to be a thought in the, in the back of your mind I mean like what are your thoughts on that yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I'm trying not to think about it too much, but at the same time, you have to kind of get stuff done now in terms of, you know, finding managing companies and stuff like that is uh, is very important to, to to be able to be ready to turn professional when you want to. So um, I'm, I've kind of been working on that the last while, and uh, I think it'll be at some point this year. Um, I haven't really decided when, but it'll it'll be over summer, I would guess. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll just take it day by day for now, try to perform as well as I can as an amateur, and then hopefully that will... Uh, that will give me more opportunities as a professional when I do turn. Yeah, and winning the Walker Cup be a nice way to, to kind of round off the amateur career, right? Wouldn't it? Absolutely, yeah, hundred percent. It'd be nice to be a part of a winning uh, Walker Cup team. Not to mind, uh, not to mind just being on the team. All right, John. Thanks so much for talking to us on the Big Red Bench today, buddy. I'm very, very best of luck. We'll be keeping a, a, an eye on you in that Walker Cup match in a couple of weeks' time, and we'll, we'll try and talk to you afterwards. Perfect. Thank you so much for having me on. Really appreciate it. Yeah, really enjoy that chat with John Murphy. Um, congratulations indeed to him. Uh, for being named on that Great Britain and Ireland team for the Walker Cup. Big, big uh, achievement uh, for John. He's one of five Cork men to have made uh, the uh, Walker Cup team. James Sugar, Owen O'Connell, John McHenry and Jimmy Bruin, uh, the member for him as well. So congratulations indeed to John. Fantastic achievement and I'm sure he's going to be a huge success as a professional as well and looking forward to watching that Walker Cup match uh, early uh, in May and uh, should be a fantastic achievement and fingers crossed uh, John will be part of a victorious team that weekend alright full time report from Villa Park where Aston Villa have come from behind to beat Fulham Tom Gale Aston Villa 3 Fulham 1 the visitors were looking good to move out the bottom 3 just after an hour Alexandra Mitrovic punishing Tyrone Mings's weak back pass to score credit Dean Smith's second half subs though Trezeguet Brace turned the game around his second courtesy of Tosin's error this time following good work from Keenan Davies. Ollie Watkins late tap-in ended his run of seven games without a goal. Who needs Jack Grealish, eh? Full-time Aston Villa 3, Fulham 1. 
So that means Fulham are in the relegation zone, three points behind Newcastle, but uh, Newcastle have played a game less as well. Uh, so bottom three, Fulham, West Brom and Sheffield United and Newcastle breathing a sigh of relief that Aston Villa did them a favour today. Uh, elsewhere, Manchester United and Brighton kicking off at half past seven. Team sheets are in at Old Trafford. Peter Smith has designed them. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer makes four changes to the side that lost their FA Cup quarter-final tie at Leicester. Returning are Shaw, Cavani, Rashford and Fernandez, with Matic and van der Beek dropping to the bench. Martial is injured, Tellez misses out altogether. For Brighton, Graham Potter having seen his team comprehensively sweep aside Newcastle, understandably names an unchanged team. At Old Trafford, it's Manchester United against Brighton. 7.30 the kick-off time for that one. Brighton, six points clear of the relegation zone uh, heading into that game. They played two games less than Fulham as well. Manchester United uh, in second place looking to secure Champions League football for next season. And they uh, a win today uh, would be a huge step in that direction at 7.30 the kickoff time at Old Trafford for that game now we're going to talk about brand partnerships and players and uh, the opportunity they have to earn money off their brand and their profile and uh, indeed uh, promoting on social media as well uh, Trevor Tramley is the co-founder of Sports Endorse which is a sports management agency and uh, Valerie has been speaking to him uh, about um, what players, I suppose, are worth in in those kind of terms, and uh, how they're paid to promote items on social media and all that. So, really interesting conversation with Trevor, uh, who first described what Sports Endorse is all about. Yeah, but look, Sport Endorse is a full service uh, sports representation business. Um, we look after uh, an athlete's contract, their endorsements. If they need to boost their profile, we do that. We have a traditional business and then we have a platform. Our traditional business, we, we, we do rugby contracts for rugby players. We do football contracts for footballers. The larger endorsements, we do that. That's the kind of pick up the phone, big contracts kind of stuff. That's the traditional business. And then our platform, which we went live with at Christmas, uh, Valerie, um, is available in 120 countries. Athletes can download it on their phone and all those uh, in app form in all those countries. There's over 800 athletes on it now. Uh, 120 companies, uh, 10 athletes a day signing up to it. And what that does is it connects athletes with brands and opportunities. It gives them an opportunity to to get business by, by, via posts or by doing motivational talks on Zoom. Um, and there's a whole lot, lot of services on that. And I suppose our business uh, represents athletes, sports organizations and rights holders. But there's a lot more than that. Like we're selling a pro cycling team from, from South Africa and Team Quebec ASAS. Um, we're helping local uh, organizations as well in Ireland and yeah we have footballers from Traban, NFL NBA guys on the platform John Egan from Cork Stroke Kerry on the platform we've Premier League footballers we've hurlers Camogie players we've Aussie rules players and we're very proud of, our, of what we've achieved so far and and, uh, and and they can filter down age female male sport rugby football guy it doesn't really matter and um, yeah and it's it's so easy to use so um, yeah Great. Well, that is sport endorsed. But the reason I wanted to chat to you this week is because I did see a piece in the Irish Times with Eamon O'Donoghue, right? He had an article about how social media is helping the amateur player maybe to get some extra money on the side by brand partnerships, as you mentioned, and paid content promoted on their social media accounts. And this seems to be the way forward. I mean, I follow a lot of GA players and I know that I've seen them promoting things from, I don't know if, as you said, if it's nutritional bars and maybe some of them get company cars. But isn't it amazing how an amateur player now 
now is being spotted, spotted by companies and getting money. And I think even some of the figures that were revealed to us in the paper, were, I think it set people shocked. And I'm like, more power to them. These players are doing this for entertainment. I'm like, if you get 1,500 euros for a post on Instagram, more power to you. That's what I feel. But I know there's people out there that go, no, 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 no. Most of the response has been positive to it, right? It's um, We're not suggesting that players get paid to play in Cold Park. That's not what we're suggesting. It, it, that's not what it's about. I mean, um, RG, RG, what we kind of, RGA players have high engagement, you know, they, they're, they've, that means they're, our fans, their friends are fanatical about them. Someone like Ozzy Gleason or Kieran Donaghy, their percentage of their engagement is 20, 30% is because they watch what they do, they, they love them. Same with the, same with the, the camogie and the, and, the, and the football and the female side, very high engagement and they're, and they're valuable. So, you know, we just, we're saying that all athletes, Olympians can get a few bob for, for their posts. Why can't our GA players? And it's happening and it's, and it's going on. It's about GA players being able to, you know, know what they're worth as well. And we can help with that. We can tell them what the, their value is, uh, what to be charging, what to be, you know. And um, I see it all the time. We have companies um, offering products to, to, to our, our hurlers and our footballers. And it, it might be a, a protein bar worth a euro, but the post is worth 1,500 euros. So I'm telling GA players out there to sign up to Sport Endorse. We'll teach you how to get your few quid and how to value yourself. And you might get the, you might get the protein bar as well with the money, you know? Tell us tell us how much these players are earning. Come on, this is what we want to know, Trevor. This is, this is the nitty gritty. Well, look, that we I suppose know. the article was just suggesting that I'm not going to name and shame, but I'm going to tell you what people are worth. The article was suggesting what they can command, right? And that's the same with Evan Engram or... Tory Craig in the NBA, like it's the same. If they've seventy thousand followers, they're also able to get that money. But you know, um, someone like Kieran Donaghy, his posts would be worth thirteen hundred and sixty-five euro. That's his value. If it's if it's a story, he could get could be getting a third of that. And um, Ozzy Gleeson, you know, nine hundred and forty euro for a post, a story, a third of that. Lee Keegan, nine ten percent engagement, nine hundred euro. Brendan Maher. 785 euro, Michael Murphy, Donegal, 690 euro, uh, Killian O'Connor, Mayo, 670, Shane Walsh, 600, Darren O'Sullivan, Kerry, 550, <laughs> Nikki the Badger, Burke, 450. I mean, like, this is what they're worth based on my calculations. It's not, it's, it's, it, we're not teaching anybody anything new here. This is what the value is. Jane Drury, seven. We, we could be reading numbers about, all day. We could, like, it's not. I just asked Manet to give me, uh, prepare me for a few of them. And, uh, and you know, it's, uh, it's about educating them and not taking advantage of our, of our, um, of our players. That's really what it's about here. And, you know, and, um, yeah. And what's wrong with them earning a few quid for, you know, on, on, you know to, and as well as that, it's helping them build their brand, right? It's, it's helping them learn how to be commercial, how to be, because they're not always going to be playing. So to be able to know their value, know their worth. And um, there's a bit of education to that. So, they, you know, it's, it's a, it could be post-career, a little, little sideline business for them too. And um, so build your brand. Someone told me one time, what is your brand? Your brand is what you do every day on a daily basis. So, Valerie, you get up, you present your sports show, you go for your run. That's part of your brand. It's, it's who you are. It's what you do. And I think that we all have a brand. 
and including our GA players and our Hurrows or Camogie players, they need to know that, they need to learn it. And, uh, Interesting, and I think a lot of people might be shocked by some of the figures, but I think more, I personally think more power to them. Um, they're probably amateur players and they're playing for our benefit and entertainment. And as you said, if they can get a bit extra on the side, but I'd like to hear the listeners' opinion on this. 0868104106, what are you thinking of our players earning some extra bit on the side? It'll be interesting just to see what they think. Maybe just send in a thumbs up or a thumbs down just to see the interaction on this. But Trevor, Sport Endorse, it's great. People can sign up. As you said, it's for free. Where can they find it? Um, they can register on platform.sportendorse.com. Uh, download athletes. Every athlete in the world can download onto their phone in app format, be it on Android or, or Apple. And go on to sportendorse.com. You can register through the website as well. Thanks, Will, Trevor, for talking to us at the Big Red Bench. Thanks, Valerie, for having me. Have a great Easter. Yeah, really interesting stuff there from Trevor Twamley, the uh, co-founder of Sport Endorse and I suppose talking about uh, the money that players can make off their brand through their social media following and, and all that. Really interesting stuff. A lot of money being paid out to athletes to promote products and that's the way it is at the moment. And Very, very interesting stuff there uh, from uh, Trevor in conversation with Valerie. We are nearly out of time. Yesterday on the show... Valerie spoke to GA President Larry McCarthy. It's a fascinating interview. It's a fascinating 20-minute chat. That is available on our podcast. You can get that on redfm.ie and from wherever you get your podcast from. But it's really, really interesting stuff as uh, they go through um, a lot of things about Larry being uh, named, of course, his corpsman being named uh, president, uh, moving back from the States where he was working and all that. But um, a lot of uh, focus has been on his comments about the Dublin footballers. Uh, and there, um, a number of them training during the week are being caught training uh, at a session in contravention of COVID-19 restrictions last Wednesday morning at a club in Dublin and uh, the impact that's going to have. And um, Valerie spoke to Larry about that yesterday. So here's a little bit of that uh, on the Dublin breach. Uh, the full thing available, of course, on the Big Red Bunch podcast and redfm.ie. But this is a little clip of first uh, Larry returning home and then uh, talking about the Dublin breach, what impact it's likely to have on intercounty GAA going forward. Um, we're all looking forward really to the return of the GAA. But before you moved home, how were the college with you maybe taking some time off? You obviously planned to go back and lecture there, Larry. You, you know, you want to go back and finish what you what you're living with. Well, I, yeah, I will. I, I, I'm, I'm obligated to go back to them, um, Valerie, um, in terms of they were very kind. I mean, they gave me a, a three-year leave of absence. Well, technically, it's only two. But as the dean said to me, look, I can only give you two, uh, but what you do is we'll get the two and then you apply for the third and we'll give you that. Um, I, I think it's fair to say they probably have no concept of how important the role is. Mm. They know I've become president of this sport organization in Ireland. Um, but I don't think they appreciate the cultural importance of the significance of the G as an institution. They've seen some clips and they've seen my name in the papers and stuff like that. And they obviously see whenever I mention Seton Hall, for instance. But I mean, um, it escapes Americans, I think, the relevance of the GA in our lives. You know, and not, not in terms of Irish people in America at all, but in, in terms of people who just don't understand the GA or, or understand what the GA is all about. Yeah, I know. You must be really looking forward to the return of it. I mean, to come home and to be coming into the middle of this nightmare, Larry, it's probably not been an easy start, has it? Well, no, I mean, it's uh, the, it, that's, uh, that's a fair assessment of it, yeah. In, in my wildest dreams, would I ever have thought there would be in a situation where we wouldn't be playing games? 
But I think last Tuesday evening and the announcement by the government that we're going to be back on the 26th, that the clubs, are, the kids are going to be back on the 26th was the best announcement that we've heard in a long, long time. You know, and it's, it's great to get, get some fun back into clubs um, and get them started at least. And then, please God, we'll, well, look, we can do this. We've done it well before. We will continue to do it well. Um, but I mean, the, the one concern, I suppose, the kids will be fine. Um, I just hope to God that the parents don't assemble too much at, at the, the pitch gate or at the field gate or at, outside the clubhouse or stuff like that. Um, and things go slightly awry on us. But I'm sure they won't. We have a record of doing this and we've done it well last year and we'll, we'll do it well again. But that's going to bring a great deal of relief to a lot of people, not least of which are those parents who need to be sort of de-stressed a little bit by letting their kids out running around the place. Yeah, there was a small a small hiccup during the week in this road to return. I know that, unfortunately, the Dublin footballers, you know, were caught, were reportedly training, Larry, and I know you released a statement saying it's sheer frustration and extreme disappointment, but do you think something like this could jeopardise the return of play? Um, no, I, I don't think, honestly, that it's going to impact at this particular incident. Now, if there was another one, Oh Lord, that could be that would make it very, very difficult for us. But no, I'm I'm reasonably confident at the moment that we will get back. Assuming Valerie now, assuming that the numbers stay where they are and that, you know, the public health authorities don't decide that they've they've gone awry over over Easter or anything like that. Um but no, I I, I think all going well, fingers crossed, I think yeah, we're 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 in a good place. Yeah, I know. And as GA folk, you know, when they did announce that, uh, I felt like we felt the week defending the decision by the government and then for something like this to happen, it was just hard to defend something like that then as well. Is there further discipline from the GA maybe towards Dublin or is it dealt with? Um, well, we appointed a, 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 a Christopher had an emergency meeting on, let me get my timeline right here yeah. now, um, today, uh, yesterday. Um, and we appointed an investigation committee to look into it as we did with the Cork incident early in the year and the Down incident. So we're adopting the exact same procedures. Yeah, that's Larry McCarthy there, the uh, GA president, speaking about uh, the um, Dublin issue that arose during the week when uh, several members of the Air Camp were training uh, at a club in Dublin and what happened with that. And uh, very, very interesting to hear Larry the Corkman, the Bishopstone native, speaking about that. But a really interesting, wide ranging interview with Valerie is now available on the Big Red Bench podcast. You can get that on redfm.ie. Well worth checking out. But that's it from our show for tonight. I'm delighted you uh, chose to spend the hour in our company right here on Cork's Red FM this evening on this glorious Easter Sunday evening. Hope you're all enjoying the sunshine and listening to the Big Red Bench in your gardens this evening. If you want to listen back to the show, if you missed any of it, if you've missed yesterday's show, the Big Red Bench podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, we are available and you can get on redfm.ie as well. We're back next Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Connor Halpin is up next. He's got three hours of the best Irish music coming your way between 7 and 10 p.m. PM. Enjoy the rest of your Easter Sunday. Enjoy the rest of your bank holiday, folks. And we'll chat you again next weekend. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM.